proud bisexual astrology influencer. Bye, bye, bye? Question mark? <laughs> It is hot by summer. Hello and welcome to Hot by Summer, the podcast that's your one-stop shop for everything by with your host Charmy. That's me. Everything from by news, by TV shows and films, by awakening, and so much more. So let's get into it. Our first hot buy topic of the day is Little Nas X coming out. Very exciting. In a tweet, he basically said, would y'all be mad if I was a little bit bisexual? And it's kind of sad. This coming out kind of made me a little bit, a little bit in my feels because I was like, wow, we've come to a place in the world where bisexuals even have to like test the temperature of the ether to see if it's safe enough to even publicly say that we're bi. Um, And then I also saw a lot of bi bi discourse online that I was like, oh, I'm disengaging because y'all bitches are dumb. Like literally somebody was saying, I don't know, people just say some weird stuff about bisexuals. Once a celebrity comes out as bi, people start talking their shit in in a way that's like, you're not informed, but also like if you're not bi, then that experience isn't yours to speak on. So like, shut up. And I don't know why it's not that Like, I would never talk about something that I don't really know very much about because I think it would be embarrassing to, like, say facts online that aren't facts. Like, granted, sure, we live in a world where things change constantly. And if, like, maybe something changes, I can go back and say, I'm sorry. Or I can go back and say, oh, this information was incorrect. But boldly speaking about bisexuality when you have no clue what you're talking about and you don't identify as bi just seems weird to me. It's like what i saw this video dude oh my god i saw this video of this lesbian right and she had a bag over her head and she goes when a bisexual starts telling you about how she like has like had sex with a guy like a cis man and this girl starts like vomiting like pretend vomiting into this like trash bag and i wanted to stitch it on tiktok but i was also like i really don't i i don't care this much to talk with like teens online that's a whole other thing uh i'll unpack that we'll circle back around to that i was just thinking to myself as i was watching that video like dang that is so sad that you really like did this whole sketch about bisexuals and thought to like post it online and it takes a few minutes for like videos to post um so you like typed all of this out, did this whole sketch, uploaded it, waited, and then kept it online. I don't know. To me, that would be so embarrassing to to put something like that out there. But it just was like, wow. I always forget people really don't fuck with bisexuals. I really forget that because I'm surrounded by people that are like pan, people that are bi, people that are um, all sorts of different diverse sexualities. But at the very minimum, very like deeply, profoundly accepting of bisexuals. So I, I always forget that we live in a world where people are actually trash. <laughs> like I always forget that. And then a, a celebrity comes out as bi and I'm like, oh, 
oh, this is why I'm in my little bubble because the world is not safe for us. It really is not safe for us at all. Just a reminder, be very gentle with yourself when dealing with bi discourse online because these people are literally children. Okay, so I posted this video. I haven't been able to talk about this because I haven't had the language to talk about this in a very long time. But I posted this video on TikTok and it was the things that the queer community normalizes that I actually think is really unhealthy. And I posted this like just like a list of all the things. Uh, some of them were people saying like types, uh, discussing tops and bottoms. Um, what else did I say? I had like a whole list in my notes app because I was just kind of like, these things are so limiting. It's so limiting to put yourself into these boxes and then like stay there. Coming out was one of them. I said like once you come out and then people feel like they're unable to come out again or it just feels like it's very limiting and I feel like the queer community has normalized it. And I got pushback, a lot of pushback actually. One of the things that I was like, I kind of agree with this on was somebody said, well, it's kind of unfair for you to put all of that pressure on bisexuals or all that pressure on queer people uh, because we're all living in a world that is homophobic. And I was like, bet you're so correct. Like, you're so right. This is correct. Um, but also, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm not talking about the fact that, like, we all have grown up in this world of um homophobia and biphobia and lesbophobia. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that we as queer people have taken on this ideal that it's okay to be in boxes. And for me and my understanding of queerness, I'm like, oh yeah, like queerness is fluidity, right? But for a lot of queer people, I learned, I learned, I lived in West Hollywood for a little bit. And that's where I learned that queerness can be for some people, very limiting, um, or their version of queerness is very limiting. It's very white. It's very um, male. It's very like it's it's all it's all the dominating powers. Like it's 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 oppressive in very in in very various ways. And I found that out um, the hard way. But my friend and I were talking about this, and we were like, and I was like, yeah, and I just, I don't get it. Like, it's so limiting for so many people. And so she was like, oh, you're talking about homonormativity. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, homonormativity. It's basically like being gay, right? But you sort of, through the lens of whiteness, through the lens of cisness, through the lens of this. And I was like, Oh, that's exactly it. So I made this video. I talked about this and I got a lot of pushback from literal teens. And I was like, this is wild. This is wild. I always forget that TikTok is full of people whose neurons are not fully developed yet which is totally fine. But it's also one of those things where it's like, bottom line, be very mindful of the type of queer media and discourse that you take in when celebrities come out as bi, because people have not really sat with themselves is what it really what it comes down to. People have not really sat with themselves and sat with the understanding of their queerness especially, especially white gays. So that's the hot buy news tea. Little Nas X kind of, sort of, maybe kind of, sort of came out. Who knows? But I think it's really cool that we live in a world that 
especially Zen, Gen Z can kind of be like, I'm out in a more casual way. I was looking at a creator who was talking about how millennials did these deep, like, long posts, very emotional coming outs. And that was like their version of coming out. And Gen Z is like very casual, like Noah Schnapp. Noah Schnapp from Stranger Things just kind of posted a TikTok and everybody's like, oh my God, he's gay. Um, it was very casual. And I loved that. I was like, oh, we live in a world where people can just like casually come out and it's not a big deal. Like it was a big deal and I saw it on all the major outlets, but it was also like the way that he did it was very cool. And I just, I think that's cool. Um, so yeah, that's the hot buy news. So let's get into the the decom tea, right? Let's get let's get into the fun fun stuff, the good juicy 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 stuff, which is decom movies that are queer coded. So before we talk about these incredible films and TV shows that really helped me to understand my queerness, but also made me feel safe and also made me feel so special, but also told these really incredible stories. We have to break down what queer coding is. The definition of queer coding, according to Google and Wikipedia, is queer coding is a subtextual coding of a character in media as queer. So simple, right? Right, right. I think the cool thing about that definition is that it's the subtext. It is very much be- beneath the surface. And as a Scorpio, who has a Scorpio Mercury, I eat that subtext up. Anytime I see a movie or a TV show, I never look at the physical words that are being said. I look at the body language. I look at the eyes. I look at the uh, hands. I look at the lips. I look at the fingers. I look at the tongue. Like I look at everything through the lens of my Scorpio Mercury placement, which is the subtext. And so I think it's so cool that queer coding exists. And I have a word to put to what I felt as a kid because I would watch these shows. And I don't want to say I'm a professional like TV show connoisseur, but as a kid, who had a single parent who was like, uh, just watch TV and um, I'm going to make dinner and I entertain yourself. I was like, bet, let me watch That's So Raven right quick for 13 hours on a Saturday. Um, and I absolutely did. Actually, I watched those. Um, do you guys remember the top model like marathons on probably VH1? Those things, you, okay, let me tell you something. As a Leo placement, I would watch that and the commercial breaks would pop on. Let me tell you something. I would run to the mirror so gosh darn quickly. Run to the mirror, do the pose Tyra was literally just talking about. Do the pose and then run back just in time to catch the beginning of the next portion of the show. Like I was, I feel like that's a Leo placement thing. Also today I was walking and I had my headphones on and I was thinking about the fact that like, I was like, Okay, I'm playing this song right now, and if somebody ever comes up to me and asks me what song I'm playing, I'm going to always have, like, a great song. And I was listening to Jamie Foxx. There's a song called Fall For Your Type. It's so good. Um, It's Jamie Foxx and Drake. And it's just such a freaking good song. But I was like, wow, somebody comes up to me right now, I'm going to pull this out of the bag. Mm, They're not ready. They're not ready. That's a Leo placement thing. But as a Scorpio, I love the subtext. So we're bringing it back to queer coding. I love a good subtext of uh, of a show. So one of the shows that really just changed my life, truly changed my life, and I don't say it lightly, I say it genuinely, 
was That's So Raven. That's So Raven was a show that it was way ahead of its time because it was a it was a sitcom. I want to say it was a three camera sitcom, which, you know, we could talk about we could talk about the history of three camera sitcom if you want to. If you want to talk about Desi Arnaz and and Lucille Ball and uh, the fifties and how that completely changed television and and how Desi Arnaz was a person of color and really reinvented TV with three camera sitcom and it completely changed the trajectory of television and comedy uh, in the fifties by a person of color kind of was cheating on his wife the whole marriage but he also uh revolutionized television so three camera sitcoms big deal i know this because i worked for a movie studio where i gave tours yes i was one of those people in the kathy shorts giving tours and i knew way too much information about a lot of things so anyways i say all this to say that sitcoms are really important to american television and american history and that's a raven definitely 100 1,000% was a part of that. And I think it was ahead of its time because That's So Raven was really funny, like actually funny, not like kid funny. Like I remember I would watch it with my parents and they'd be like, oh, this is actually kind of funny. Um, Another movie that did that was Shrek. Like those types of TV shows and films that you would watch with your parents and your parents were laughing and not like fake laughing, like they wanted to genuinely watch it with you. That's how you knew it was good, right? So that's so Raven was ahead of its time because the comedy was incredible. The writers was great, right? But I also feel like Raven Baxter, the character, and Raven Simone, the actress, really brought so much to that character. Like I I feel like she could have a paper bag over her head and I'd still be like, this is the funniest thing on the face of the planet. Like she was genuinely so funny and she used physical humor in a way that was incredible and like taking it a step further. I'm such a nerd, y'all. Now you guys know. (laughs) Now you know the truth, the truth. I am a TV and film nerd. But taking a step further, we're also seeing a black family in a really beautifully done way where we saw gender roles kind of flipped. Like the dad was a cook, which that was like kind of revolutionary. He owned his own business. He was an entrepreneur, black owned business. Um, And he was a cook. And the mom was the one that was working. The mom, I remember she went to law school. There was this really beautiful undertone of a really great family and like a loving, loving household, loving parents, which I mean, if you grew up in a really crazy, need I say, like abusive household and you're watching this, that is something that you A, aspire to, but B, you're like, oh, these other things can exist outside of myself, right? So it's escapism. You could watch this and be like, I can escape to this other world, right? Which was so fantastic for me as a kid. Like it offered that sense of relief. Okay, so that's not even talking about the queerness. So now let's go into the queerness of it, right? Raven had a secret. And in that secret, she could express parts of her identity with certain people, but not with others. She could express who she was with Chelsea, her best friend, with her family, right? Her close, her close, close, close loved ones. She could express parts of her identity, right? But other parts of her identity um, might seem confusing to other people, might seem wacky or weird or out there, or like it didn't exist, 
or like it was just really strange. But to her, to Raven, but and her close loved ones, it was really important and special and beautiful. But it was also a secret, and she couldn't talk about it with other people. But she knew that it was inherently a part of who she was, and it was inherently a part of how it affected her relationships. And, you know, there's episodes where she was, you know, she really liked this guy, but she would see into the future and she'd be like, oh, shoot, something's going to happen, but I don't have context to what that thing is going to happen. But I also want to stay in this relationship. And then in turn, you know, in wacky comical format it would turn out that she would somehow like not ruin the relationship, but it would jeopardize the relationship. And um, she'd have to kind of come to terms with her identity. Now, baby, <laughs> subtext or not, that is the most bisexual thing I ever heard in my life. <laughs> like that is so bi, right? Like Raven Baxter represented this really incredible bi story and I almost feel like watching that was really pivotal in me understanding that like parts of your identity can be secrets to other people and can jeopardize relationships and Raven didn't have it together and anytime she tried to make it seem like she had it together is when it never really worked. But anytime she'd let things flow and 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 sort of let things happen the way that they happened, which she never did. But if she would have, that would have changed everything. And as a kid seeing that, that left a huge, ginormous big imprint on my heart like that that's so raven really was ahead of its time and i saw in an interview on raven's home which is the remake spinoff of that's a raven where raven baxter is an adult she has kids i believe one of the kids or both of the kids has uh her powers she has power it's very like it's very cute and actually it's it's very cute and it's well written again. Like it's it's great. But she was interviewed and somebody said, "Oh, like would you want Raven to be queer now because since this show has aired since that's a Raven, Raven Simone has come out and has married a woman." And um she said that the writers came to her and said, "Like do you want to make this character queer?" And she was like, no, like Raven has her story. And so that's, you know, Raven has her story and that this is a story and that's great. And we're going to keep it. And I think what she was actually saying, again, that subtext, I think what she was actually saying is like, I'm protecting myself because I grew up as a child star. It's a big, heavy, tall glass to play a queer character while also trying to balance being queer in the public eye. And I'm not ready for that. And I don't need to be ready for that. And I just think that was really beautiful. So anyways, That's a Raven was revolutionary and way ahead of its time. The things that it talked about was just so incredible. And it was so good. And it was just so funny. Like, I miss TV shows that were actually funny. I can't really name a TV show that I've, like, actually laughed, like, like genuinely laughed at. It's rare. Um, first that comes to mind is Abbott Elementary. I mean, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. That show <laughs> is so funny, like, but it's not, you know, currently on. But I'm thinking of, like, TV shows that actually make me chuckle. And a lot of people, like, 
I don't know, intellectualized humor. And I feel like a lot of people really play on that like intellectual. It's funny if you're smart enough to understand it. And it's like the reason why TV shows are not funny anymore is because too many rich people write for TV shows. And like we could talk about nepotism if we want to. But like as, like we talk about nepotism when it comes to actors. We do not talk enough about nepotism when it comes to writers. And a lot of red- writers are rich people. And like when working class people write stuff, it's actually funny. It's just good and a lot of writers are not working class a lot of writers are like to be a writer sometimes you have to be wealthy unfortunately and so I think there's too I just think there's too many rich people writing and it's just not funny like they're writing through the lens of like what would a working class person think in this moment and if you haven't been working class then you don't know the ins and outs of it and it's just not funny um also like rich people are told they're funny when they're actually not funny um so let's as a community as a as a society stop doing that like if a joke's not funny let's just stop laughing i stopped doing that with men um i used to do that all the time i used to be like ha 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 you're so funny uh then i stopped doing that and um i'm not gonna lie it feels better (laughs) stop laughing at men stop laughing at jokes that aren't funny if they're not funny don't laugh because then people think they're actually funny i dated a comedian once that's a whole other story, but don't laugh at things that aren't funny. Anyways, next it's on the list that was fantastic and queer-coded, in my personal opinion. These are all my personal opinions. Obviously, it's a podcast that I'm talking on. So these are my personal opinions. I don't know why I feel like I need to, like, say that. But also Rocket Power. Great show. Fantastic show. I loved the girl lead. She was incredible. I loved her outfits. And by outfits, I mean she wore one outfit because it was a cartoon. She wasn't, like, bathing every day. But Rocket Power, so good. Double Team was great. Okay, let's get to the famous Joe Jackson because we do not talk enough about the famous Joe Jackson. That show was so incredible. And I only think that a certain number – like, a certain type of person is going to know this. And it's a little niche, but it was – so good. Okay, so this is the description on Wikipedia. The famous Jet Jackson is a coming-of-age television series for the Disney Channel. The show is about a boy named Jet Jackson, Lee Thompson Young, RIP, who plays a teenage secret agent on a fictional show within a show called Silverstone. Okay. Before Hannah Montana, before That's a Raven, before we had these big personality TV shows based on these people who had double lives. There is this show, The Famous Jet Jackson, that aired in the 90s. Yes, October 25th, 1998 to June 22nd, 2001. Had a short run, but it was a very impactful show, and it was so fantastic. Um, This show does not get enough credit, and... uh, it really needs to. It was so fantastic and so beautiful. I don't know if it was necessarily queer coded or it was queer. It just that double life thing that we just talked about, like even Hannah Montana, that double life thing. Anytime we see the motif of a double life, I'm like, okay, this, this bitch is queer. There's some queer shit right here. So the famous Jackson. I also want to say Johnny Tsunami. 
Okay, Johnny Tsunami was so good. I don't know if this was queer-coded either, but I know I liked it. And I like Johnny Tsunami. There's a lot of shows that I watched as a kid. I wasn't really not into the sports stuff. But Johnny Tsunami, I just liked that it was like a person of color that was the main character, the lead. And he was just like, you know, I love that. Okay, so this is what it is, right? This is this is the tea. Johnny Tsunami was about a kid who did surfing, right? He surfed in Hawaii. And then came to the United States, transferred schools, and then did snowboarding, right? So he had to, like, kind of assimilate this new world that he was living in. So maybe it's, like, being a person of color. Maybe it's being queer. Johnny Tsunami had the juice. I loved me some Johnny Tsunami. I really did like him. Another show, I don't know if it's queer-coded. I actually don't think this show, it was fairly straight. But The Color of Friendship was sickening, bro. It was so good. I loved that the lead girl was very like adamant and um, loud and uh, had a lot of conviction in everything she said. To me, that really helped me to be like, oh, I'm allowed to be loud and have conviction about what I say as well when it comes to political beliefs. You know, it got me in trouble at a lot of dinner tables. (laughs) Got me in a lot of trouble. But I also know that my mom would be like, good for you but shut up, but good for you, you know? Like, not this is the wrong place, but, like, I get where you're going. Harry the Spy is a queer character. I don't care what anybody says. And I think what's so cool about Harry the Spy is, like, again, this double life, this is a motif that I'm seeing. As I'm saying it, I'm like, okay. Okay, we see what's going on here. It's the double life thing. It's the spy thing. It's the has a secret thing it's the operates in the world and sees the world through the lens of other people i think somebody else said i posted a video on my tiktok about this and somebody said yeah the reason why these tv shows made me feel so safe is because they were outsiders all these people were outsiders and they just wanted to be insiders but then they realized this person did not say that this this eloquently but i'm adding a little extra flavor and seasoning on it but Basically, these people realized in this journey, in this hero's journey of trying to be an insider, that their difference actually made them beautiful, unique, and special, and um, impactful. And it was so pivotal to be different, Um, which is so wild because, like, the media – was like telling us something totally different at the same exact time. Like we would, like I would see movies like this and I'd be like, it's great to be different. Like it works for Johnny Tsunami. Like he got bullied a little bit, but then like they were like, oh, look at Johnny Tsunami surfing and skating and uh, snowboarding and skiing. Like look at him. And then it turned, right? Or we see like the famous Chet Jackson living these double lives as a celebrity, but also as a spy and he's on this show and all this stuff or Hannah Montana or That's a Raven. So they were telling us that it's okay to be different in these TV shows. But then, you know, if you're anything like me, then then you went to a, the church. So on Saturday, you're watching all these shows. And then on Sunday, you go to the church and you're like, follow everything I say to a T. And if you don't, it's over. It's over. And I don't know. I just I find it interesting that we lived in this world. If you made it, if you're a millennial, if you're a zillennial and you're listening to this, like we made it, bitch. Like we actually made it. Like how? How? How did we make it? Because we didn't have the representation that Gen Z has. Like Gen Z has their phone. They have a 
specific curated algorithm based on their needs and their likes and their thoughts and their words to literally show them information about themselves. Like TikTok is a reflection of you, right? That's what the algorithm is. It's a reflection of who you are down to some, it's like almost scary sometimes. But the fact that they have access to this is like incredible. Us, on the other hand, us millennials, us zillennials, us older people didn't have that. And so a lot of us grew up and like had these conflicting messages. And then we had to be like, oh, and then on top of that, we're not coming out until we're later in life. And we're doing these like long, sad posts because we think that's what we have to do. And then we're like, oh my gosh, like what is queerness? What is this? What is that? We didn't have the opportunities. And so we kind of made it, right? Like we kind of did it. We kind of did the thing. And it wasn't easy. It was not easy, but we did it. I also want to mention some some honorable seconds uh, in the queer coding arena. Halloween Town is definitely one of them because, again, this motif of a secret, a secret, 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 secret life. And also, I wasn't allowed to ce- celebrate Halloween growing up, so I was like Marnie, Charmy for lifers, <laughs> for lifers. Um, I was like, I really get this girl and. She had these, like, convictions, again, like, colored friendship. She had these, like, very bold convictions that she would tell her mom. And she and we knew as the audience, like, she was right. But we also, now looking back, I'm like, her mom kind of was protecting her from all these other things. But um, I was like, I'm allowed to have convictions. So my Leo placements really started blossoming when I watched Halloween Town. Also, motocross. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. This is what the poster says. When Andy stepped into the extreme sport because an extreme adventure. Basically, her brother – I watched this recently. And by recently, I mean like three years ago. Um, Her brother like broke his leg right before a big motocross event. And so this girl decides to chop off all her hair and cosplay her brother and wins with flying colors. And then they're like, oh, my God, it's a girl. This is not allowed. And then she's like, and what about it? And then they're like, okay. You're good. But there is a scene where she chops off all of her hair and she has these like very masculine clothes clothes on. I'm like getting weak in the knees right now. Think about it. As a kid, I was like, wow, uh, I don't know what's going on right now, but I do like, I do like this look for you, ma'am. So that scene was iconic in everything. Low-key, I also want to say Princess Diaries too. Like low-key, I do. Cadet Kelly, obviously, there was a there was a homoerotic thing happening between Liz McGuire. I keep saying Liz McGuire as if her name's not Cadet Kelly, the name of the freaking movie. Cadet Kelly and Christy Carlson Romano's character, there was a thing happening. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Secret World of Alex Max. Mac, obviously. Daria, obviously. I want to say get a clue to, and I don't actually know if it's queer-coded. I actually don't think this one's queer-coded. I just like this film a lot, and I thought it was great. Lindsay Lohan was really in her bag, really. She was really in her bag with this. Oh, the 13th year, y'all? Again, it's again. It's a secret that makes you an outsider. And if you reveal it to other people, they're going to know. 13th year was like this movie about this kid who, like, on his 13th birthday, apparently, like, his mom was a mermaid he was like adopted this is a really bad retelling of the 13th year but apparently the third when he turned 13 he turned into a merman uh saying that out loud i'm like that's 
wild. Somebody literally pitched that to Disney and they were like, yeah, yeah, $3 million, you need it? Go. <laughs> um, but anyways, it's about this kid that when he turns 13, he uh, gets his fins and uh, he can't let anybody know. And again, we see that motif. Also, honorable mention, don't look under the bed. Not sure if it's queer, but I sure did like it as a kid. I sure did like it. Kim Possible, y'all. What? Who, who am I? Kim Possible, obviously. That whole Shigo situation, I don't know. I liked it. I liked it. It was great. It was really, really great. So I think those are all the things that I can think of at the moment. But I could, like I said, make a 300. I could do a whole dissertation on this, on the history of American film and TV and how the 90s and DCOM was incredible, especially because it wasn't for kids. It was for teens. Like they were making movies for teens and so they could get away with a lot more and they really trusted their audience. And uh, the writers were just, they were really doing their thing in the 90s. They really were. Okay, so we're going to move on to buy recommendations. So every um, weekend, these past couple weekends, I have been doing this thing where I watch rom-coms. Like, because rom we could also have a whole episode on rom-coms. Rom-coms really in the 90s were another thing. I'm telling you, I really think rich people made comedy bad. <laughs> like, I gen- like, genuinely, that's my theory. Um because rom-coms used to be so good and funny and the writing was great it was witty it was catchy the chemistry between characters it wasn't about like getting some big star to star in it so that they could you know get their money back on whatever movie it was about being funny and being good and having chemistry so the first movie i watched this weekend was breaking all the rules let me tell you something let me tell you something jamie fox oh my god i was like Google eyes for Jamie Foxx. I remember I had my Gabrielle Union era where I wanted to be just like her. I would copy her mannerisms. I learned all this information about her. I was in uh, Thespians. I found out that the Thespians, my school theater troupe, was going to be in the International Thespians Festival in Nebraska. I found out that Gabrielle Union was from Nebraska. And I was like, baby. It's time. Let's get this started. So I auditioned. I got into the show and I went to Nebraska and I was like, oh, my God. I learned where she I learned where she um, where she went to school. I think she went to like University of Nebraska. She transferred to UCLA. You know, like I learned all these facts about her and I was sitting in bed watching Breaking All the Rules, which, again, funny, witty, fantastic rom-com. And I was sitting in bed and I was going, oh, my God. I had a crush on Gabrielle Union. How am I this old? And I just realized this. What? I I literally just realized this. I was like, she's so sexy. She's so beautiful. Wow, wow, wow. Bitch, you're in love. You're in love with Gabrielle Union. So that's a discovery I made. Um, I don't know if she's queer. One can only hope. One can... (laughs) One can only hope. Anyways... I watched Breaking All the Rules. If you're looking for a great rom-com, that is my buy recommendation. Uh, is it buy? No. Is it queer-coded? No. But is Gabrielle Union in it and really sexy and does all these like sexy Scorpio things? Yes. And so for that, it is a buy recommendation. Something that is actually buy that's a film that I highly recommend you watch because it is 
so good. I thought it was going to be bad. So kissing Jessica Stein, Stein, kissing Jessica Stein is so good, y'all. It has so much heart. It's about this girl who like just kind of is neurotic but wants to fall in love. And you just see her journey and she just like falls in love with this girl. <laughs> like it's so simple but like the acting is so great. She is so fantastic. The actress is so good. It's I was just surprised. I guess I had looked at the film. You know what it was? When too many white gays recommend something, I'm like, oh, this is bad immediately. Like when all the white gays like two or three summers ago were like, the body keeps the score is the best thing you'll ever read in your entire life. Like it helped me through all. I was like, no, uh, immediately no. And then I told my therapist and my therapist was like, no, you don't need to read that book. It's not that special. I don't know why everybody's making it sound that special, but it's not that special. So I did my thing where I was like, oh, if the white gays recommend it, I'm not doing it. Well they were right. <laughs> I was wrong. Kissing Jessica Stein is so good. The poster says a funny, smart, fresh look at sex and the single girl. It's great. It's like, it's kind of like a really great baby gay. Like you're older in life. You're a later in life queer person. Like it's a perfect later in life queer person film. Highly recommend. Uh, so yeah, that is hot by summer. I actually was thinking about how I kind of miss the summer. Like, <laughs> I want the summer back. Like, bring back the summer. We're very much into winter. Hopefully, everybody's drinking water and taking their mental health walks because this seasonal depression is no joke. Like, at all whatsoever. So, if you, you know, get the opportunity to go outside, I literally just took a walk, got myself some banana boba. If you live in Los Angeles, there's a place called Boba Zinc. Shout out to them. This isn't sponsored. I wish it was sponsored. They have the best banana boba in all of Los Angeles. It's fresh. The guy was like, yeah, the bananas are right there. And I looked and I was like, oh, yeah. He was like, I made two things of them and everybody's, everybody likes it now. Anyways, take your mental health walks. Get your boba. Get your steps in. Uh, talk to your therapist. Drink your tea journal do all the things seasonal depression is real mercury retrograde is almost over y'all we got this we got this we can do it oh my god once this podcast comes out mercury retrograde will be over so y'all it's time it's time it's time also we're really i mean i'm really excited for aquarius season so aquarius season starts January 20th, baby. Um, so that's very exciting. I also, you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about the fact that Aquarius season is also when Valentine's Day is. Okay, so let's take out the capitalism from Valentine's Day, which you can't do because it is literally a, a holiday so that people can make money. Capitalism sucks that we live here. I'm, I'm sad for all of us that we're here, right? But I think it's interesting that we have this holiday about love during Aquarius season. And I was thinking about Aquarius. What does Aquarius teach us? What does Aquarius teach us? What does Aquarius teach us? It teaches us that love thrives in community. Love always thrives in community. If you know an Aquarius, you know that they're a little chatty Kathy around all their, their good duties. They love a good, they love a good kiki. They love a good kiki, but with the people they really fuck with. If you, if you're like, oh, I don't think Aquarians are like chatty. It's because they don't like you. 
<laughs> Same with Capricorns. If you're like, oh, I think Capricorns are really boring. I don't think they're funny. They don't like you. I'm so sorry to tell you this. Like somebody commented, they're like, I was like, I think Capricorns are the funniest sign. They're like, I don't think Cap Capricorns are funny at all. And I'm like, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but it means that Capricorns don't like you. Like I said it in a nicer way, but that's truly what I meant is like, yeah, a Capricorn is not going to open up to you because they don't like you. They don't fuck with you. Something about your energy. Maybe it's that you commented that you don't think Capricorns are funny. Maybe they saw that and they were like, mm, I don't like you. So anyways, Aquarius teaches us that love thrives in community and to bring romance to friendships and to bring unconventional love to the forefront. Angela Davis is an Aquarius. Oprah Winfrey is an Aquarius. Ellen DeGeneres, I'm so sorry that I mentioned her. Ellen DeGeneres is an Aquarius. Um, a lot of talk show hosts are Aquarius. Um, Megan Thee Stallion is an Aquarius. Her birthday is Jan uh, February 15th, I believe. So the day after Valentine's Day. So we see these Aquarians that really have changed the trajectory of history and what we deem as conventional love. I just, I think about Megan Thee Stallion specifically, who really helped us to see that, um, well... To see so many things about how women are treated in the public eye. We look at Oprah and how she's brought a lot of like spirituality and community to television. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres, not a, not, not a huge fan. Not a huge fan of this queer representation. Which is why we need more black TV show hosts and more black people on TVs, TV shows. But anyways... Um, you know, bringing community together is kind of like the uh, crux of a lot of the themes of Aquarius. And so, I don't know. I think Aquarians are incredible. I think they're funny. I think they're intellectual. I love a good Aquarian. I also would say that Aquarians are more like Virgos than Virgos are. Like the stereotype for Virgos is Virgos are like post-it notes. Schedules, uh, checklists, um, stationery, da da da. All the Aquarians that I know are like that. <laughs> the Virgos I know are not really like that. Like they're like that in like a visionary and like mental way, but like physically, the people that I've seen that are like checklists, to do lists, um, color coded calendars are all Aquarians that I know of. So if you're an Aquarian and you're like, I don't resonate with the Aquarian, like, like, outer space like i'm so weird oh that scared the bejesus out of me i'm so weird that it's because they've got you all wrong baby they've got you all wrong so with that that is hot by summer for the week y'all thanks for listening thanks for stopping by not by bi uh so thanks for stopping by so bye <laughs>